welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. As we enter the final month of my first year flying solo on this podcast, I've been puzzling who to have as guests. As always, life unfolds. My guest today realized her career in chiropractic with three foundations – Empathy and compassion for helping people. Second, a love of science. And third, a love for living life to the fullest. These are some of the reasons I wanted Leslie to kick off the month. We are often spending indulging our waistline. We socialize instead of exercise. And many of us contemplate what we'd like to change up as the new year approaches. These days, today's guest helps people debunk the myths surrounding diet, exercise, genetics, and lifestyle. She helps people find balance so they can holistically manage their health and move forward with clarity at a pace that's comfortable yet challenging. And she helps navigate the thorny confrontations of telling physicians that they, we, are choosing a drug-free path and expect cooperation. Now, much of this intro is direct from Leslie's website, and it was this quote that confirmed my choice of guest for today. I help ambitious people mostly women who are sick and tired and want their mojo back, so they can live with energy and vitality. Dr. Leslie Kasanoff, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thank you so much, Agnes. Good to be here. You have quite a science-based background. Please tell our listeners how you came to be the practitioner you are today. Okay, well, I actually started out as a medical lab scientist, and when I was completing the the very end of my internship in that five-year program, one of the very last things that I had to do was to assist at the bedside for a bone marrow biopsy. And yeah, I just saw the look on your face. Yes, that's only the beginning. <laughs> I, have, I have sympathetic body parts. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, when I walked into the room, The person that was laying in the bed was a little old lady who looked to my 22-year-old eyes like she was 110. And it was just a horrendous procedure. The standard of the day was that they, they were doing bone marrow biopsies on the sternum. So this male physician was plunging a, a large needle into this woman's chest and just blood curdling screams that just like sucked all the energy out of the room. It was, it was a horrible experience, Agnes. And so he gets the sample, he hands it to me. I make the requisite microscope slides and take it, take those and the rest of the sample back to the lab. 
And I hand them to the senior tech and tell her about the little old lady in the bed. And she looks at me with these sad eyes and she says, but Leslie, they don't even treat leukemia in patients that old. Flabbergasted is about the most polite word I can think. (laughs) Basically, in those two seconds, I, you know, the light bulb went on and I realized, you know, not only that I did not want to be there because I felt so horrendous about having done something, contributed to that and not wanting to contribute to something like that again, but I also, in those few seconds realized that I was helpless in that position or in any position I could ever grow to from there to ever have an effect on changing that paradigm. So that's basically when I realized that I needed to be on the other side of the fence, keeping people from having to get into that hospital bed in the first place. And that's basically what I've dedicated the rest of my life to. So fast forward, I did go back to school and became a chiropractor, did that for, had a successful chiropractic practice locally for about 25 years. And then through my own changes and stuff, started morphing into more of the health coaching and consulting. So I want to get in obviously into that today. But before we go there, I want listeners to understand that you aren't just beautiful and fit and smart. Apparently you've had Oh, I am so glad that your dog just did that. It's usually mine. (laughs) Listeners are used to my dog barking. Sometimes she just won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, apparently you've had relationships with ice cream, injury, laziness. (laughs) I want to just get this right off the top. (laughs) Sure. So, you know, now I am... I would say I consider myself to be about 95% vegan. You know, once in a while I do have a little bit of seafood or something, but I am, or I was a big ice cream and cheese aholic. So I come from knowing how difficult it can be to make those changes. And I, do, I just wanted to set the groundwork yeah. here because sometimes people come in and they, you know, they've been fit and healthy all their life. So when I saw that on your website, I thought we, we got to go there first. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of your website, you say the body is a self-healing entity. Can we start there? What do you mean by that? Well, one of the things that we always go back to in chiropractic is one of those silly little things like you cut your hand. You don't need to tell your body what to do. It knows how to heal it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing internally. Your body knows how to heal. It just needs the right atmosphere, the right ingredients, the right foods, the right neurological interactions with with your nervous system and your brain, you know, those things. It knows how to heal itself. So if we've wandered really far away from letting our body know what to do. So you're saying basically we can get back there with a bit of work. I'm saying within reason, you know, there is always, you know, physical matter has its limits. (laughs) (laughs) So the caveat there is most people can make 
great progress, but the sooner the better. Yeah, yeah. Now, you use dis-ease, and I have used that term for years, uh, mm-hmm. disease and dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? Why can it spread? I don't, I don't, that's pretty general, but if you could hit on that for a minute. Well, a lot of that depends on what philosophy you're dealing in. Traditionally, at having been raised, as you will, as a chiropractor, a lot of the dis-ease in our system comes from lack of communication between the nervous system and the rest of the body. So that's one place where dis-ease can come from. But dis-ease also comes from not feeding your body properly, mental, emotional issues that are feeding into the wrong kinds of cycles, a gut microbiome that is not healthy causes all kinds of dis-ease. So there's a variety of causes of dis-ease. I find it interesting too uh, that so often we, we drive our cars and you don't think twice about hearing a little clunk or something. You get it into the mechanic right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we keep on running our own bodies, uh, machines on crappy gas mm-hmm. <laughs> and doing the, the upkeep and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we get confused or we're upset when it uh, goes astray. Yeah. And now, U.S. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and I think another thing is because we're talking to mostly boomer women, yep. the older we get, the more time effort and energy i think we need to plan on taking care of number one so just food for thought on that one yeah 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 and i think there's so many things as boomer women that we get used to the fact that we are doing either a little bit more slowly or thinking more a little bit about Mm -hmm. and to be reminded that our bodies and our health need the same attention Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to detail and the same consideration. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now you asked the questions, paleo, vegan, you've already said you're almost vegan. I'm pretty much vegetarian now. Whole food, higher, low protein, higher, low carbs. What are your answers? Well, first of all, I come from that each person within a range needs to find their own answers. So the thing that I've settled on for myself and for anyone that wants to listen to my logic (laughs) (laughs) is predominantly whole food plant-based without dairy. And the big thing about dairy that I like to point out to people, there's actually several reasons for no dairy. Number one is humans are the only species on the planet Earth that consume milk after infancy and not even the milk of their own species. So we are, broadly speaking, 120 to 220 pound humans, yet we are consuming the food that was designed to turn a 40 pound calf into a thousand pound cow in a year. 
<laughs> Does that sound a little bit off to you? <laughs> it sounds really graphic to me. <laughs> I understand too. I've I've read. I don't know that even North American uh, industrialized countries are like of those humans. The industrialized countries are even more so because the other countries they don't eat the dairy they don't uh, drink milk as adults like once they grow past um probably teen right now you know europeans especially nor- northern europeans do consume more dairy than other parts of the world and surprise surprise they have the same issues that we do but mm-hmm. even they don't consume it to the extent that we do i don't think and i I hear a lot of people when you say cheese and things like that, just going, no, but you know, there, there are flavors, but you've probably realized, and I am realizing that, you know, you start experimenting with things and you can duplicate those great flavors and find, and if you're not duplicating them, you're coming up with other ones that are just as great. That are, or better. Yeah. Or better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they're better because they're better for you. So Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, uh, and and your tastes change. Your tastes change. Your taste your taste buds change, and there are things that you can do to give food that that kind of acidy, salty kind of you know flavor of dairy, and you know so some of the artificial cheeses work for some people. One of the things that I do, and it's not something that I do regularly, but one of the things that I do once in a while is that I will make like a cashew cheese, like a cashew cream cheese kind of thing. And I will actually go to the extent of taking a probiotic pill and putting it in there. Now, I can't necessarily say do this, you know, because it could get contaminated, but this is what I do. You know, I will open up a probiotic pill and put it in there and mix it in and I'll let it incubate, you know, in at room temperature for 24 to 48 hours. And, and it'll get that more acidy flavor from that lactobacillus having multiplied in there. Hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, one, of, one of the biggest, um, what's the word I'm looking for? endorsements, I guess, is I have a friend who's in her 90s. Her son is in his mid-60s. He's been a vegan for oh, probably all his adult life. Mm -hmm. And he's now taking care of her, Mm -hmm. which means she's eating primarily vegan. Mm -hmm. And when I visit her, she is so upset and she is just screaming for, like, take me for anything, you know, fish and chips, something, except, except she has said recently, you know, he bought this, this ice cream kind of stuff and it's vegan it is really good but yeah. then she swears me to secrecy so he doesn't know that she's actually enjoying, enjoying <laughs> it <laughs> there are some really good vegan frozen dessert kinds of things yeah and more and more vegan everything yeah uh, you know yeah. and and once again it just comes down to experimenting yeah and, uh, and and you know and the thing that i do also want to mention in all that is that there's so much variation too because there's there's the vegan stuff that's just full of coconut oil and mm-hmm. fat and junk 
But then there's also stuff that's more predominantly whole food. Right. And so I would encourage people to gravitate towards those things. So so always start with whole and then take it from there. Yeah. So we've talked about food a little bit. I'm going to ask you about your recommendations for health and vitality. But I also want, I'm going to ask, do they change as the decades go by? And I don't mean the calendar decades. I mean like ours, you know, when we're in our 50s, our 60s, our 70s. Do we need different things? I don't know that we necessarily need different things, but I do think we need to pay closer attention. So as we get older, our bodies, you know, we all know this, our bodies don't respond the way that that, that we used to. And so we do need to pay more attention. We do need to be more sensitive and cognizant of getting more of those fresh fruits and veggies into our diet making sure we're getting, you know, if we are vegan, we need to make sure that we're getting things like all the B12 that we need, which, you know, that's one of the things that does need to be supplemented. We do make need to make sure we're getting enough sunshine or vitamin D in some form, you know, so I think the older we get, the more conscientious we need to be. And it's a matter of just kind of doubling back and thinking about those things and taking a closer look at how we're feeling. I think, yeah. too, you know, so often we talk to boomer women, I guess, are older and just sort of say, you know, like, you, you've got to slow down on all this give, give, give and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is certainly part of that equation of and, and you're doing your people around you a favor if you're still cooking for a spouse or a partner or whatever right um, you're going to be doing them a favor too now right. where where do hormones fit into this that's always an interesting question and i'll tell you my story with um with having tried bioidentical hormones so first of all i do come from the belief that your body should be able to to handle all the changes that it goes through in its lifetime without having to put stuff in it or, you know, artificial stuff in it or on it, even if that stuff does is natural, quote unquote, naturally derived. Um, Having said that, when I went through the whole perimenopause thing, you know, I had two teenagers at home and was running a chiropractic practice and yada, yada, yada. And, you know how the mood swings and the temper flares go. Well, I decided that that I would listen to a colleague's recommendations and go on bioidentical hormones because she basically convinced me without me really looking into it more fully that they were safe. And literally two months later, I found myself 20 pounds heavier. Wow. And so that's when I said, enough is enough, because my mother had, my mother was always a little bit heavier, but then when she went through that time of life, she started, and I I refer to it as that time of life in her, because she actually had a hysterectomy way before any of this happened, but she still went through all those changes, being on hormones, not being on hormones, wherever she was at that particular point, but she gained a lot of weight. And, and when I started gaining that weight, it was like, I'm not going there. 
you know, I knew what my family history was. I was not going to go there. So I started doing the research and that's when I started coming up with all this information that I didn't realize up until then that guess what? Dairy is full of estrogen. Surprise, surprise. Even naturally organically raised dairy because it's from a cow and it's got the amount of estrogen in it that's help that helps grow like i said that little 40 pound calf into a thousand pound cow in a year you know it's got the amount of estrogen the amount of growth hormone all those other growth factors in there that helps do all that so as soon as i got the dairy out of my diet that's when i started to see the weight starting to come off a little bit, the hormones starting to stabilize a little bit and going from there and finding, finding healthy sources because we actually have multiple kinds of estrogen in our bodies and the healthy sources of the estrogens that we need as we age that are more from the plant estrogens, more from your flax seeds and your tofu and things like that. Once you bring those into the diet, that actually stabilizes a lot, stabilizes a lot of the moods, a lot of the hot flashes. And so that was my experience. And then on top of that, I started reading more and more about the fact that those artificial hormones, even the bioidentical ones, are not as safe as we've been led to believe they are. Two thoughts come to mind is, first of all, any listeners if they reach for the bucket of ice cream or the cheese or whatever, <laughs> they're going to be watching that calf in their mind just grow into this thousand pound cow. But I, I know just on back to serious note is that when my friends and I were, you know, 45, 50, uh, we were obviously discussing to hormone or not to hormone. Mm-hmm. And I must admit people were all over the map. Now, I think most of my closest friends and I just said, no, you know, like, we've trusted our bodies this long, we will continue to trust them. Mm -hmm. And so far, so good. But uh, one thing you've said there, which I think we do need to emphasize is so many of these choices do need to be researched. Exactly. It sounds like you, you trusted, you believed a trusted practitioner or colleague. Mm hmm. And so chose at first not to do that research, but even people you trust and care about aren't always right. And and the thing of it is, is that it's that old thing of when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And for a medical practitioner, that hammer that they always have is that medication, And so it's going to look a lot more like the right thing to do in in more situations than what's right for me personally. And so I go in, go into any kind of relationship now, fully cognizant of that and fully cognizant of the fact that it is my body. And if a medical physician says this is the particular path that they think I should go down, I'm going to research it. 
I'm going to find the clinical studies in the journals and see if it really does do what it's purported to do. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the path that I would choose to take if I, you know, if I were in that position. And that's some of the things that I like to help people with in my practice. I think too, it just came to me as you were saying that is we would, as say 50 plus women, we would no more dream of wearing the same shirt or eating the same box of chocolates. I was just going to throw that in there or reading the same book. So the fact that some doctor feels comfortable saying, well, here's something that is one size fits all right. is, is a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So good, good to keep that in mind. Now, hormones are, are, or hormone replacement perhaps is, is one myth. There's a ton of myths around diet, exercise, lifestyle. Can you think of any off, just off the top of your head that are like seriously neat debunking? Protein. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. This is good. Yeah. Protein. <laughs> we have really the food industry and the ag industry has really fed Americans a line of crap about the amount of protein that we supposedly need. And one of the places that I look to about that is, did you know, so first of all, let me preface this. Would you agree that what a human baby needs as far as protein is going to be supplied is going to be the amount that's supplied by human breast milk and is going to be optimal for a human baby. I'm sitting here nodding. Yes. Okay. And would you also, would you also in that same belief believe that a human baby is at its, it goes through its largest growth spurt from the age of zero to two when it's consuming human milk, correct? Correct. Okay. So put those two things together. And what you, what you come up with is that the amount of protein in human milk is probably much more akin to what humans need when they're growing And the amount of protein in human milk is about 8% weight per volume. So human milk is made up about 8% protein. So there is, you know, there is no need for us to be eating 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 grams of protein in a day. Just thinking that, and that's low for a lot of people. Yeah. Well... (laughs) Perhaps depending on what their diet's like, but pretty much what a lot of the research is now showing is that 0.8 grams per kilogram, basically a 120 pound woman, you know, 40 to 60 grams of protein in a day is more than adequate. Mm. And just to remind our listeners, non-animal proteins include nuts, legumes. I'll let you finish that sentence. Yeah. 
nuts, legumes. I mean, even we don't think about it, but greens have a fair amount of protein per volume. So, you know, even, you know, most of your grains have some protein in them. Even, you know, wheat has protein in it. Rice has protein in it. You don't need volumes of protein. Of course, you you know, when you're talking about beans, there's also things like tofu and tempeh and things like that that are a little bit more concentrated where you can get a higher volume of protein if you really feel like you need it. But like I said, it's not really that much of an issue. And when you look at other species of primates like gorillas and things like that, you know, they're all vegan. You don't work, you don't, you know, people are always asking me, where do I get my protein from? Go ask the pregnant gorilla where she gets her protein from. She doesn't worry about it. (laughs) Um, I don't know if this is your bailiwick or not, but speaking of protein, you'll often hear people who exercise a lot or do some, you know, weight training, they'll say, well, no, I need more protein. Is that another myth then? Certainly, yes. Okay. And for people who may not have seen it, I would highly recommend the Game Changers documentary movie. Oh, what's that? It's a documentary that was put together on basically vegan world-class athletes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. I have to look that one up. I'll have to. <laughs> Sorry, what, what's going through my brain right now yeah. is a few people that I'll send that to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go sideways on you here now. Okay. We mentioned your relationships with cheese and ice cream. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you also have quite the relationship with your bicycle. You've done some pretty major tours. Can you tell us about them? Sure. Actually, one of the things that I did in between that time that I was transitioning from being a medical lab tech to being a chiropractor, one of the things that I did was I did basically a cross-country bicycle tour. So, okay, just give us a start start and a destination before you explain it. Okay, so so it it wasn't fully across the country. So I started, you know, I was born and raised in the Boston area. And with a group of people, we took, we actually took a Greyhound bus from the Boston area to Billings, Montana. Okay. Which is actually on the east side of the Continental Divide. Okay. And from there, we went basically through Yellowstone and the Tetons, the Sawtooth Mountains, made our way through Idaho and Oregon hit the coast in in central Oregon and headed south from there. And the group that I was with basically kind of pre-designated that we were splitting up in San Francisco because they all had jobs to go back to that, you know, it was summertime. They had taken six weeks off, whatever. But I had quit my job because I had come out there in mind with the idea in mind that if I found someplace nice and warm and sunny, that I wanted to stay, that I was just done with New England winters. (laughs) It's a story behind that too. (laughs) 
something about having to walk to work in a hospital with in in 80 mile an hour blizzard winds. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> I have a friend who did that in Toronto and she's now living in the Dominican. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I came out there with the idea in mind that if I found someplace nice and warm and sunny that I wanted to stay, that I probably would. And while I was cycling between Eureka and Santa Barbara, I met up with a couple of women who were also cycling the coast that also lived in Santa Barbara. So when I got there, I spent a few days with them, looked around and said, hmm, it's pretty here. Is there a hospital here? (laughs) And so there was no going back? So basically, yeah, um, I did continue down the coast because I had I had friends in Santa Monica that I wanted to visit. I had fr- I had a friend in San Diego that I wanted to visit. So I went all I went down there, turned around, came back up, and started looking for work. And the rest is kind of history. Actually, met my ex husband there about six months later. So yeah. And listeners know that we're on Zoom, and I can see that you're in your riding gear right now because mm-hmm. you've just spent a bunch of today out riding. So right. this is wasn't just when you were young; you've continued to ride. Right? Yeah, all I of have. your adult life. I've continued to ride. I've continued to tour. I did. Um, I did about six hundred plus miles in Utah, Colorado, and Montana this past summer. Wow. including going to the Sun Highway, which is actually what you're looking at on my background. For okay. <laughs> <laughs> You can see it, but they can't. <laughs> no, no, but uh, Google it, folks. It's a, I've done it in a car, yeah. and it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, not exactly a slow ride. Oh, my goodness. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah. The incline is quite something. Yeah, this, this, this picture was taken coming down the hill from there across the canyon yeah 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 and we won't talk about the fact that you left the eastern seaboard and there's all the snow on the mountain (laughs) well but you know snow on the mountain yes but it was still you know it was july or june and it was in the 50s so it was like not consequential yeah no no and and it's a passing through kind of thing yeah and passing through yeah (laughs) We've wandered all over the map this morning, Leslie, and I appreciate that. Um, I've sort of been taking you all over the place. What haven't we discussed that you feel is important for boomer women to know or think about? Well, I would say one of the things is not just dutifully doing what a medical doctor says that you should, be it a mammogram, a a colonoscopy, or any of those things. Not that you know, not that you shouldn't have those things done, but that you should examine the idea of doing them and see whether or not those things are appropriate and necessary for you. Because basically, where medical doctors come from with this stuff is, oh, you're this age, you should have this test because there's this infinitesimally small possibility that it could find something that you might not otherwise find and that that thing could be harmful. And when you really go down 
the tunnel and you really look at that, you find out, for example, that as far as at least with mammograms, that the cancers that are found during mammography are often not the cancers that are going to kill you. Hmm. And, you know, you talk, you talk to enough women, you'll find out that most women that have had serious cancers, those have been cancers that they found themselves in between mammograms. Just thinking too, that so many boomer women are caregivers mm-hmm. and are quite ready to be confrontational with a parent's doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what exactly is this? Why are we doing it? You know, why are you wanting that? So to actually do that for themselves as well. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And with things like colonoscopies, there are tests that they can do. There are there are now tests that they can do that are more genetic analysis tests of stool samples that are supposed to be like 95% of the accuracy of a colonoscopy. So maybe you have them done, you know, so the standard, the standard is that you might need to have them done a little bit more often than once every 10 years. They don't have, they don't have the potential side effects or potential dangers I have several friends who've had colonoscopies. Yeah. And it's, uh, I have, I I have a friend who was actually a registered nurse, went in and had a routine colonoscopy and wound up in the hospital for three weeks with a ruptured colon. Wow. And it's not actually, it's come to find out that it's not actually that uncommon. Yeah, do your research, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're so lucky yeah, living in yeah. the time. There again, I'm not saying don't do it. Yeah. I'm saying it all has to be evaluated in the spectrum of things. Yeah. And just while we're talking about doing research, I just want to emphasize, too, that Dr. Google is great, but Dr. Google can also send you down some rabbit holes. So just yes. make sure you've got some really credible places to research that yeah yeah and you know and I'm happy to help people out with research not that I'm going to advise them because I'm not but I can help them find some articles and help them kind of parse through them and that kind of thing yeah yeah interesting I I like asking that question of what haven't I asked you and it yeah that's just such a great answer I appreciate that thank you yeah At the beginning of this chat, I mentioned that we're in December now with all sorts of indulgences ahead of us, which we seem to justify because there's always New Year's resolutions. Oh, yes. (laughs) Before we close, could you give us a few tips to make it through the season more successfully? Hmm. I think one of the things is that if you are going to try to be more conscious. The easiest way to do that is to bring bring food with you. If you go to a party, bring something healthy with you. Not that you're not going to eat other things, but at least if you start out by bringing something healthy and you eat that, you're going to be less able to eat all of the other stuff. So 
that's one one suggestion is to bring bring something healthy with you and you know most events these days are potluck anyway so that's not difficult that's probably one of my main things that i would say yeah and yeah and just try to be you know try to be more cognizant of it and work from the perspective that your body can learn new things in terms of you know whatever it's going to take a while if you're trying to get past that desire for the cheese or whatever but your body will get used to the things that you're putting into it and will come to want those things yeah i used to recommend to people too that um just be careful with the alcohol consumption because after a couple of drinks suddenly those exotic you know desserts and ice cream and all that stuff just looks so good mince tarts you know it's your your resolve wears down after a couple of uh drinks yeah and that's that's one of the things for me personally i know that's a big one is that i try and stay away from alcohol completely anymore because if I have a drink, I know that as soon as I have that drink, I'm going back to that table and I'm going back to that table and I'm going back to that table. And <laughs> and then if, if you don't hate yourself in the morning, you're, it's because you're too busy in the bathroom. Just, oh, yeah, it makes you sick. If, you, if you're used to eating healthy, you just mm-hmm. splurge like that and it just does not sit well. Yeah. So you coach on, on more than making it through a holiday season. And you have a journey to wellness group. Tell our listeners about what you do, please. Hmm. That's actually one of the groups that I haven't done in a while. (laughs) Oh, okay. I I was operating (laughs) off a website. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. So the journey to wellness group is basically a small group program that's designed basically to take a group of women it's about an eight week program well it's an eight session program and i usually do it every other week so it's about a 16 week program mm-hmm. and it's basically just designed to help people get a good healthy start on going from point a to point b with you know with their diet with understanding a deeper why of the hormone balance and what to put on your plate, what to, what I suggest that you don't put on your plate. Um, a lot of what we didn't even talk about a lot of what I do recommend as far as what people should eat is based on, is based more on the blue zone countries and blue zone regions and the kinds of foods that they eat. So we talk about those kinds of things and who those people are and what their diets are like. And we go through some of the hormone balance stuff and, like I said, about eight different sessions over 16 weeks. Oh, that's good. Um, I noticed that, and I'm, I don't I don't know if you do this or not still, but clean out your pantry thing. Mm-hmm. Like what a great idea that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done that over Zoom with people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Do you find there's resistance to those people who say, but I paid good money for this. What am I you know, supposed to do with it? <laughs> Well, you know, if it's unopened, they can always donate it. Yeah. And I think, too, you, it comes down to put a price on your health. Yeah, exactly. You're, I like to tell people you're either investing in your wellness or you're contributing to your illness. 
That's a good one. I like that. Okay. You have your own podcast. I do. We're just starting (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. I love podcasts, obviously. Yeah. Uh, So please share. What's it called? So I have just taken over being one of the co-hosts of an already established podcast, which is Alternative Health Tools. And that's a podcast that actually goes all the way back to 2014, which is like the very infancy of podcasting. And the guy who produces it is quite attached to it staying on the air. So when when his current host said, um, I want to move on, he found a couple of other hosts. So myself and Angie Ates are the new co-hosts. And we're actually just starting, we actually just did our first couple of sessions a couple of weeks ago. So they're starting to be released next week. I think we're releasing a new one, but we did like an early release of like an introducing us kind of thing. And yeah, so. Oh, that's good. And is that on most platforms? um, Yeah, it's on all the platforms. Oh, that's good. So it's Alternative Health Tools. Oh, and. Yeah. I must listen. Good. Yeah. Where else do we find you online? My website is drlesliek.com. And that's probably the easiest place to start. Just that. And my Instagram is dr.dr.lesliek. And, you know, the rest of it, you can just put on the show notes or something. There's no, no sense in giving people a thousand things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny too, because that's where I go next is as yeah. always, those yeah. links will be in the show notes. Yeah. Listeners, I do recommend you visit Leslie's website as well as great info and tips and great articles on the blog page. I need to mention the healthy recipes page as after we wrap here, I'm off to use some of my plethora. I have literally 500 apples from my backyard. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to make that magical applesauce vinaigrette. Uh-huh. Sounded great. And I obviously got browsing because I'm also going to print the sweet potato tacos with uh, cabbage cups recipe. Oh, for yeah. I like that one. <laughs> it looked yeah. and sounded great. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, you know, a lot of those recipes are from other authors and, you know, I've given them appropriate credit, but I do have a few of my own recipes in there. So... Yeah, I'll I'll go dig around again because as I say, I was looking at pictures going like, whoa, <laughs> glance through the ingredients going, like, oh, I like this one. <laughs> so uh, if you have comments on today's show, uh, leave them where you're listening to this podcast or at twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. If you'd like to be a guest on podcast or know someone who'd be a great guest, there's an application form at the website too. Dr. Leslie Kasanoff, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Have a great rest of the week.